Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. I pastor a church in Jamaica, Queens, New York. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> 50 and Nicki Minaj and Pastor Tom and... Uh, but... Um, uh, our church meets in the evening time, so we don't have an AM service. We meet in the evening time. Our first, we call it our early riser service, begins at 4.15 p.m. So uh, for the college students who roll out of bed about 3, they love it. And then we have another service at 6 p.m. If you ever find yourself lost in the Queens area, come to our church in the evening time. But it allows me to come and also be part of, do some of the teaching here at City on a Hill, which I've been so blessed by over the years, and blessed to be a part of just worshiping with you this morning. Thank you, Jamal, for that exhortation. Thank you, worship band, for leading us in worship. And uh, one last note, uh, I am not actually uh, 14. I have gone through this once before, but uh, <clears throat> my voice is cracking, and I'm not sure why. I think it has something to do with the weather and, the, you know, and all that good stuff. But if I talk in a normal, subdued tone, it's actually perfectly normal. The thing about me when I preach is that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so once I slam on the gas, things go crazy. But hey, we're, we're going to listen to the Word of God. Uh, today's message is for you. If, if you've ever, I really, I really built this thing around the theme of maybe you've said these words. Maybe you've said them about somebody in your, in your life. Something like this. You know what? At the end of the day fundamentally, you boil it all down, maybe you've thought this sentence. <sighs> People never really change. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've thought that about somebody. You know, you know it, it, they can look like they change a little bit until a relapse happened and they're right back the old way. See, and it just further reinforces this, this cynical thought in your brain. People never really change. And if that happens long enough, you start to think that transformation is really not possible. Or maybe, you know what, it was possible a long time ago, but uh, you, what do they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I've been living a certain way for a long time, and I guess at the end of the day, people don't change. Maybe you've even said it about yourself. I've tried to see transformation in my life. I've tried to see changes in my life. And I'm just convinced. You know, I, I make some progress for a little while, then I fall flat on my face. And at the end of the day, you're left saying, you know what, it is possible. Maybe it's just possible that people just don't change. And so you start to think church is for church people. Good for them. They seem to get it right. Me, I may as well lay out. I, I may as well, you know, not even attempt to get on board and, and get on this path or try to follow God. You may be here today. You may be new to church. You may be coming back to church for a long time. Maybe that's been on your heart. You know, Tiger doesn't change his stripes. People just don't change. I want you to know that if you think that, it doesn't matter so much what my opinion is. You know, I could give you a good motivational pep talk, but I'm here to tell you, the Word of God says that you're wrong. People maybe can't change in the sense that maybe they don't have the willpower to dig deep and change. But according to the scriptures, the unchanging God still changes people. Our unchanging God is still in the business of changing people. That people do, in fact, change when, it, when they come in contact with our unchanging God. And what I want to preserve us from, what I want to change in our hearts a little bit when we leave this morning, is that we're not tempted to be described by this ugly word, this poisonous word, this venomous 
word. It's a toxic word. And the word is cynical. That when you walk out of here, you grow cynical. You think, well, it's just all hype. And it's, it's just not real. And, you know, I, ultimately, people don't change. From the text today, I want you to see God's word speaking to us that people do, in fact, change. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis 44. That's where we're going to be at. I've, uh, as I've been back here at City on a Hill, you know, the last time I was here was September. So I hope you had a great October. I missed you. Uh, but uh, I, think, I think it was week one of the Christmas shoebox uh, ministry. And now we're here at the end. But uh, uh, I've been going through, uh, I call it Begin at the Beginning, the series on Genesis. And I've been dabbling in Genesis, and I hope you've been blessed by going back through Genesis. Um, next week, I want you to come back because it's the, uh, this is the penultimate one in my Genesis series, and next week's the last one, uh, the very last one in Genesis. So if you've been blessed by the Genesis series, I want you to come back next week and enjoy it. If you haven't been blessed, come back next week, and you can be grateful because it's over. It's the last one. Come back next week. It's a win-win. Like, either way, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. So, uh, Genesis 44. To to do that, though, to set up Genesis 44, and it's going to take just a minute, I have to briefly summarize 20 years. Uh, How did we get to Genesis 44? So, uh, if you've been following along in Genesis, you know that Genesis is really a story of families. And uh, when people first come to the Bible, there's often this uh, idea, especially people who aren't familiar with the Bible. You know, a lot of people own the Bible, but it's that beautiful book that, I wonder what's in there. Nobody reads it, you know. Uh, We use it to, like, record who's been married to who, but as far as, you know, reading, we don't know what's in here. And so if people read the Bible for the first time, they often think, first off, that the Bible's going to be a book of rules. They figure it's going to be a bunch of commandments, right? God wants us to live a certain way. I know the Ten Commandments, so I figure the whole book is probably, like, like, The Ten Commandments director's cut. Like you get all the commentary and it's going to be all these extra commandments and it's it's going to be almost like bonus footage. You get all that uh, plus the Ten Commandments that will help you. And so they get there and they're like, well, these aren't commandments. These are stories. So then you think, oh, I see. These are stories that illustrate how we're supposed to live. So they're probably like moralistic stories like here's Abraham, be like Abraham. Here's here's the story of Noah, be like Noah. Here's Moses, be like Moses. Here's Joseph, be like Joseph, and so forth and so on. So you start to read that. And then if that's your attitude, you're suddenly shocked by like, what? Like, are you kidding me? You realize these aren't heroes? These aren't people to emulate? Like, you got Jacob and Esau at first. Yeah, okay, these are heroes. You read it. You're like, these people are, how should we put this mildly, messed up. You start going through this, and there's intrigue, there's deception, there, there, there's murder, there's incest. You're looking through this, there's all this people, in polygamous relationships. You're reading this, you go, this isn't the Bible, this is a soap opera. Next week on Telemundo. <laughs> it's like, this this deceit and everything. And you read this, you go, well, I don't even have the right book, what's going on here? And that's the point. These people look a lot like our little soap opera called life. And what you begin to realize in the book of Genesis is, no particular one person stands out as the hero. You get done, you go, well, the only hero in this book, I mean, the only one you could say who's always been faithful and always gotten it right is none other than God. And God's like, yeah, welcome to the word of God. Come, come to Exodus. We're going to lose you in numbers, but come back, come back, you know, or whatever, Right? What's going on here? These stories are to point us to the great hero being God. And the unchanging God changes people. And when I say they're messed up, listen, we can see what So, So where we last left Joseph in September, uh, uh, Judah and his brothers, Judah and uh, 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 Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Dan, the other one, the other one, the other one. They 
put Joseph in a well to kill him, right? Joseph was the favorite son. Do you remember his dreams? He had the Joseph, the dreamer. If you've ever seen the Technicolor uh, dream coat, some of this will be familiar, or just, you know, read the Genesis. But in the, in the story, the, 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 the dreamer comes to him, guys, I had this amazing dream. You're not going to believe this. We were all stalks of wheat, and my wheat stood up in the, whittle, in the middle, and all of you bowed down. Your stalks of grain bowed down to me. Isn't that right? Isn't that the, Come celebrate with me this dream, guys. He's already, as he's saying this, he's stroking the, you know, coat of many colors that his father gave to him. Oh, you guys didn't get one? You know, I never noticed. You ever think it's odd? I'm the only one who got this expensive coat. Should have been you, Reuben. You're the firstborn. Did that ever cross your mind, Reuben? Reuben's like, only every waking minute, Joe. Well, he follows up with a second dream. Yeah, there were all these stars in the... Anyway, all these stars bowed down. Okay, so these are the dreams. If we kill the dreamer, we'll snuff out the dreams. They end up... We talked about this uh, uh, several weeks ago, but they end up in this uh, place where anything could happen. Dothan, this uh, backwater town, they throw... uh, They're about to kill Joseph and and tell Dad, sorry, put the blood on the coat. Sorry, an animal killed him. But then they think, well, why kill him? At least let's get something out of this transaction. So Judah suggests there's some slave traders going by. He says, hey, let's don't just kill him. Let's sell him. At least we'll get a little... Yeah, we'll get a little money out of this transaction. Sure enough, that's what they do. They sell Joseph into slavery. The slave traders take him into Egypt, and they get 20 pieces of silver for the transaction, right? They divide it out. Reuben comes back, and uh, sure enough, that's what they had done. Uh, there's one little detail that they were cr- Joseph was crying out, scared for his life as he was thrown in the well. He's crying out, save him, and they're just eating their dinner. I, we talked about this. They're just eating, right? They're just so heartless, so cruel. He sold into slavery. We talked about how all those were circumstances, but if you were here back then, you know that there's no, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, co- coincidences, but we, we, we talked about how there's no coincidence in God's economy, but in his providence, he was setting all this up. Sure enough, he goes into Egypt, and here's the thing. God is with Joseph. Over and over again in the scriptures, God is with Joseph, and you can see that God is with Joseph. He, um, he has his hand on him, and everything he puts his hand to, he ends up like, like becoming you know, uh, 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 more and more favored, and so uh, he gets uh, hooked in to be the, the uh, attendant to the captain of the guard. This would be like the general, the four-star general of Pharaoh's army, and sure enough, just everything he touches just is blessed. And so he makes an investment. It's huge. He hires people. They turn out to be awesome. Finally, Potiphar, the captain of the guard, says, listen, I'm going away. You are so good at what you do. You run my household, man. Here's the keys, the whole house. You can have anything you want, man. You are, God has clearly got his hand on you. And so he becomes this you know, sort of vice president of the household of Potiphar. Until we meet in Genesis 37, you remember 37, 38, we meet uh, Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife is an example of uh, uh, two people use power in that story. Joseph uses power. Potiphar's wife uses power. Two ways to use power. Potiphar's wife uses power to do what? Uh, to have her needs met. And she uses it in illicit ways, right? She, she uh, 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 t- says to Joseph, look, I'm in power. I get what I want. Joseph uses his power to do what? To bless others. To be a blessing, right? She leverages her power for evil. And so she looks at Joe and says, listen, I get whatever I want. You're a slave. I want you. So she uh, uh, hits Joseph with the shortest pickup line in the history of the world. Lie with me. Joseph, very, not very subtle, not very subtle. The original desperate housewife. Th- there we see <laughs> Potiphar, like real housewives of Egypt. Next, I mean, th- does this not read? Like, could this not be reality TV? Anyway, you guys are like, oh, you shouldn't say that. That's so sinful. They, they, they threw him in a well to kill him. This is the least of their... Anyway, uh, 
Joseph, so pure, so righteous, the story says, that he ran. He goes running, right? And there's 1 Corinthians 6. Paul actually picks up on this. He says when it comes to sexual immorality, he picks up on this story. He says, flee from it. Uh, young people always want to ask me, where's the line? You know, what's the line of appropriateness? What's the line? Is it PG, PG-13, R, or New York City? Like, what's the, you know, what's the, what's the line, you know? I mean, right, you're kidding yourself. Culture's already here, and we're like, oh, PG-13. But, but the point is, like, wh- where's the line? Everybody wants to know, how far is too far? I mean, what is it? As parents, don't, aren't you having those conversations? You know, you're going to, all right, how far is too far? The Bible says, hey, instead of drawing a line, which tempts us to go, Right, right up to that line. Why not instead, let's make the focus, how hard and how far can we run toward purity instead of drawing these lines? And that's what the Bible says, flee like Joseph, running. Uh, it gets back, Potiphar frames him, Pot- I mean Potiphar's wife frames him and says, well look, he, um, he tried to rape me, that's what happened, right? And so I have evidence, he left his robe, this and that. And so he gets thrown in jail. As he's in jail, what happens? The jailer realizes everything this guy touches is the Lord was with Joseph. And so now he's in jail, and all the prisoners listen to him more than the guards. And so eventually the guard's like, listen, I, I'm going to go read the paper. Here's the keys to the jail. <laughs> Just, you're the man, Joe, right? Just sure enough, and Joseph begins to be in charge of the jail everywhere he goes. doesn't really matter, apparently, his circumstances when the Lord is with him. Application point. Uh, anyway, the, 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 the two uh, prisoners are there at one point, and it's a cupbearer and a, uh, a baker to Pharaoh. They're both in prison. They both have these dreams. And they're like, man, they're so vivid. I know they mean something. I know they mean something. And Joseph's like, oh, by the way, in addition to having the Lord's favor on my life, the Lord also, I don't have any power to do this, but the Lord gives me the power of the Lord. I can interpret dreams. You know, that would help you. They're like, Toads. So he, he tells him, what, what, all right, what's your dream? And the baker tells him his dream. Silver cupbearer cup uh, tells him his dream. And he's like, man, I can tell you exactly what this means. Uh, the cupbearer, you're going to be restored. This would, the cupbearer would be like the host, you know, keep the party going, Pharaoh's right-hand man, sort of like a, not really a court jester, but like a host, you know, an attendant. And he says, you're going to be restored. Good news for you. Baker, your dream means, you know what, let's just celebrate for the cupbearer. Let's just, let's just be happy. You're going to die and be beheaded, and the birds are going to eat your head. So, but I mean, it's good news for the cupbearer. So anyway, that's sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And then um, uh, the cupbearer does get restored. Pharaoh, wouldn't you know, it starts having these dreams. This is you, and then immediately, sorry, the cupbearer gets back and immediately forgets about Joseph. As he's leaving, he's like, hey, don't forget, you know, mention to Pharaoh that I'm here wrongfully. Oh, yeah, 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 forgets about Joseph. Can you imagine? Over and over again, we see Joseph getting wronged, and how he responds to all that, getting wronged. Sure enough, he goes and forgets. Pharaoh then has these dreams. I don't know what they mean. He summons all these people. Can anybody tell me what these mean? Nobody can tell him what it means. And Pharaoh yells out, you know, I, I would give anything if anybody could find me somebody who could interpret dreams. And that's when the cupbearer is like, oh, snap. Oh, you know what? Uh, uh, there was, I forgot about How do you forget about the guy who foretells your future? Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about this guy, but there's this dude, Joseph, in prison. You want, you want, I mean, if that would help. You think? So they go and get Joseph. He's like, God, I, I don't have this power. He's always giving glory to God. God, you know, does this. But basically, he tells him these dreams you have in Pharaoh about these skinny cows and fat cows. Listen, man, you're going to have seven years where you're going to have bumper crops of grain and food. You are going to be loaded. The, the, Joseph gives him what God has given you in this dream, Pharaoh. God has given you the ultimate insider trade, insider commodities trading tip in like the history of the world. Because then it's going to be seven years of famine. 
you are about to buy low and sell high, right? I mean, you, you are, you are, you're Pharaoh, you're rich, but you are about to be loaded. So what you need to do, grain prices are going to plummet because everybody's got so much grain. They're going to be like, grain fight? There's going to be like burning grain, like who cares? You're going to buy it for nothing. You're going to buy it for nothing, right? Those of you who are commodities dealer, this is really your model. Okay, there's none of you anyway. <laughs> I just throw it out there. You never know who. It... <clears throat> uh, buy low, sell high. Sure enough, that's what he does. He buys all this stuff up. God was using that not just to make Pharaoh a lot of money, but he's pulling J- Joseph higher and higher up. Finally, when that's exactly what plays out, Pharaoh does what? Just like Potiphar, just like the jailer, Pharaoh's like, Joseph, here's the keys to the kingdom. Do everything but wear that cool hat, and you can do... I'm Pharaoh, but seriously... You run the show. He is basically vice Pharaoh. Because, you, I mean, you, you, you've done everything. You've done everything right. Like, like take charge. You have made me uh, 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 richer beyond anything in the extent of the empire of Egypt. All that stuff. Well, you know what happens next. Um, or if you don't, then this is helpful. If you do, this is just review. But uh, sure enough, the famine eventually reaches Canaan. And everywhere, all across the ancient Near East, people were coming to Egypt. Um, there's, there's, biblical rec- there's biblical record of this, but there's extra biblical records of how people from all over were coming to Egypt to buy grain. Sure enough, there's a scene in Genesis 42. We start in 42, and you see old Israel. Israel's name was Jacob, but it got renamed Israel. It's the same guy, Jacob, a.k.a. Israel. That's why he had these 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. And now he's got 11, because one of them, he's just sure is dead and all that. He says, well, it's, a, it's like in, what is this, 4,000 years? Fathers have not changed. The dad looks at him, and in 42.1, when Jacob learned there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? Like, could not your dad have said that to you? Like, is that not, what are you doing just staring at each other? Like, that is such a dad, okay, maybe just my dad. But, uh, like, that's just great. You just sort of all see them there. Well, we're going to starve to death. Well, do, use your imagination, boys. Like, do something. And so he says, well, there's grain in Egypt. Fine, go. That's exactly what they do. They load up all 11. Fine, we'll go get Egypt. And then he says they're leaving. No, no, not you, Benjamin. Benny. <laughs> not you, Benny. Right? What's going on here? Ah, it looks like the favorite status has changed. Now, look, uh, uh, Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, he, he got these 12 sons. He got these 12 tribes from uh, four different wives. His favorite wife was Rachel. Rachel was the one he loved the most. Rachel gave birth to Joseph. And then Benjamin, and as if all that weren't sentimental enough, the two ba- Benjamin, the baby boy, as if that wasn't sentiment enough, Rachel died in childbirth giving birth to Benjamin. Every time he looks at Benjamin, he not only weeps for Joseph who's lost, but he weeps for his mom, uh, 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 ben, Benny's mom who, who he lost, who he misses, his favorite wife. And so he looks at Benjamin, he's like, I, you, you represent everything that I still have, I'm not losing you again. Come here, Benny, you stay with daddy, right? You're here, no, right? You guys go on. That's what happens. They go, just the 10 of them, they make it to Egypt, and they're, st- they're talking Hebrew, they're waiting in the line, and that very day, Joseph is standing there with the clipboard overseeing the whole thing. He's got the, you know, the little you know, the microphone talking, mm-hmm, go ahead, right? He's orchestrating this whole grain distribution. People are lining up to buy grain, and Joseph hears them talking in Hebrew, and he's like, oh, that's, no. And, and, and he recognizes them. They're, they're talking in Hebrew, and then he like listens in a little more. They're ta- they mention their dad, they mention all... No, but they don't recognize Joseph because you know how it is when you leave somebody for dead and then they turn up later as royalty, right? 
You obviously don't predict that. And so that was so far off their radar, they didn't know. So he didn't tell them. He spoke in uh, uh, the Egyptian tongue to him. He didn't speak in Hebrew back to him. He wasn't like, hey, I'm Joseph. And as they come up to buy grain, he says, uh, uh, they're about to buy the grain. He says, you're spies. You're not here to buy grain. You, you 10, you're spies. They're like, no, no, no. We're just here for the grain. We, we got money. We're good. No, you're spies. You came to see where our city is weak so that you can attack it. No, 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 we're just, we just want to buy the grain. Tell me more about yourself. Well, we got this dad. We got this little brother. Give me a minute, right? Joseph goes off. He begins weeping, comes back composed. I don't believe you. I still say you're spies. They're like, what, what are you talking about? We're not spies. We're just here to buy grain. He's the only way to prove it. If your story checks out, I'll give you one chance to prove it. Go home, bring me the little brother. If you'll go back and bring me the little brother, then I'll believe you're, you're spies, right? And what happens? Then, then I'll believe you're not spies. And what happens? Remember the whole point of this sermon? People don't change. Do you know that while all this has been going on, like, j- j- look at these guys. The brothers, they, they sold their brother into slavery, which was just shy of killing him. While, that, all, while all that was going on, Simeon and Levi, well, like God's hand was on Joseph. We get all that. You know what was going on with the other brothers? Simeon and Levi basically commit genocide. I mean, you can read it for yourself in Genesis 30, in the 30s. But it's, it's, they commit genocide, right? Meanwhile, Judah, I mean, I can't even, I know Kidmo is going on, so maybe I could speak a little more freely, but let me just say immorality of, you know, to the nth degree with what's going on in his life. So you got, I mean, just this disaster of sin, and, and you read this and go, see, people don't change, people don't change. But watch, one of the first signs of transformation happens in this moment. You're spies, and Reuben says the most amazing thing. He says, you see that? He, uh, uh, go back and, and bring your brother. And as they're deciding what to do, you see that? He says, um, uh, 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 God, that God is punishing us. This is for that time that we heard him. This is in Genesis 42. This is that time when we heard our brother crying out from the well, and we didn't help him. Even though we heard his cries, we didn't help him. And Joseph's like, huh. I know a lot of times you think people don't change. Here's the thing. You never get to see the transformation. The, great, the, the highest mountains in the world, you'll never see. They're growing from the bottom of the ocean floor. There are mountains miles beneath the deep. In the belly of the earth, there are mountains in the ocean floor. You'll never see them. You don't know the transformation that's happening in a person right next to you right now. You don't know what God's doing in their heart. You don't even always get to know how you're transformed in your own life. Occasionally, though, you get these little hints, these little signs, and that's one of them, Conviction. When the Lord is convicting your heart, you know how you used to do a sin and you didn't think a thing about it, but now you can't get away from you. That's, that's, do you know what that is? That's God convicting your heart. You know how you used to not even feel bad about gossip? Now you feel sick to your stomach? Can I tell you? That's not condemnation. That's a good thing. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. That's a sign of life. I had this crazy, I got some, I, you know, I, I got some crazy people in my church. I don't, I don't know if you guys got crazy people. Raise your hand if you're a crazy person. No, no, no. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I had, man, one of my guys, love this guy with all my heart, uh, and uh, I won't tell you his name in case you listen to this podcast, but uh, he'll know, but uh, he comes up to me, man, he was saved out of this crazy background, and I mean, this guy, just transformation, and he says to me, uh, it's like, Tom, I can't get away with stuff I used to get away with, and I was like, what are you talking about? He was talking about conviction of the Holy Spirit, in his case, he, I didn't know it meant literal conviction, he says, yeah, man, um, man, I used to, I used to, man, like dealing weed? He's like, I never, man, never, never. And he goes, ever since I got saved, 
Man, I get locked up every time I try to deal with you. <laughs> you know me, I'm thinking, are you tithing? Like, no, 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 no. No, that's not even, you shouldn't even joke. I know. Just, just visit me in prison. Just visit me in jail, basically, is what I'm, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> But I'm like, I'm like, what? Man, I think God wants to, I, I said, buddy, I, I think God's dealing with your, yeah, I think he's trying to talk to you. He's like, man, I got to give this up. I'm like, you think? Like, but stuff that's obvious to us may not be obvious to others, you know. <laughs> it's not always that dramatic, but my point is still, the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. And Reuben, in Genesis chapter 42, verse, I can probably find it, 22 or 30, uh, uh, I, I really think it's in 42. I could probably even... Yeah, uh, verse 21. It, he says, obviously, we're being punished for what we did to our brother. He, we saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, and we wouldn't listen. That's why this trouble has come to us. That's what they were all saying. I, quote, I, I uh, ascribed it to Reuben, but my mistake. Everybody was saying that. And uh, uh, it, that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's all. A little hint of transformation. Back to my point. I know... It looks like people never change. I know it looks like in your own life you never change. But that's the thing, man. Miles below the deep in the belly of the earth, miles below in the ocean floor, there are mountains brewing there that we, we just we don't want to get to see. But we see these little glimpses, and one glimpse is conviction. I'll try to uh, fast forward because I've used up all my time here just uh, telling the story of Joseph. But um, uh, the, the, they realize their guilt. So, you know, they go back and they tell Dad, Dad, um... Uh, and they're telling Joseph, like, we can go back, but I'm telling you, they don't know it's Joseph, but they're like, sir, we are not spies, um, but, but if we go back there and say, bring Benjamin, I'm telling you now, it's not going to work. We, we'll prove to you in any other way we can, but we cannot go bring Benjamin back because, well, here's why. Uh, that's, his, that's, his littlest, that's his littlest boy. And the thing is, he had another son. You're not going to believe this story. But he's gone too. He's dead too. We won't go into details about that. But the point is, he's dead. And he says, uh, so he's not going to let us. Joseph says, fine. Then uh, uh, I'll tell you the deal. I'm going to keep one of you in custody. I will take a hostage. You, Simeon, come here. I mean, he didn't know his name. Oops. I, unnamed Hebrew 4. Come here. Uh, they bring Simeon over there. And then uh, 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 and they say, go. I will keep Simeon as a prisoner, as hostage, until you come back and do what you say. Right? Now, what's going on here? It's conviction. But then watch. As they leave, he says, fill their, fill their sacks up with grain. And they go home with the grain. And then he tells the guy, hey, come here, come here. You know, these, these Israelites you just sold grain to? Yeah. Did you get some money off them? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of money. Put all their money back in their sack. So we doing free grain now? He's like, yeah, 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 just trust me. Look, you're the boss. You're the boss. Okay. Puts all their money back in the sack. What is that? Conviction. And grace. I know it looks like sometimes there's no transformation, but here are two glimpses, conviction and grace. Look for the grace in your life, and you'll see what? You'll see a hint of transformation. It's not, God does not just use conviction to transform. He also uses grace. Look at this grace. Derek Kidner wrote an old commentary of Genesis. It's an oldie but a goodie, and he said this. The frost and sunshine alternating here are what causes the heart to break. Isn't that good? 
When you have a hard heart, what does God do? It's frost and sunshine. What happens to these roads? If there's, if there's hot, 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 then freezing cold, then really, really hot, then freezing cold, they crack. So too in your life. You need truth and you need grace. In an alternating fashion, God uses that to break your heart. Look, if all you got was grace, you would be enabled in your sin. Every time you sin, oh, it's cool, it's cool. I'm the Lord, I forgive, you're good, right? Uh, It's not bad, right? And if every time you sinned, it was wrath from above, neither one would ever lead to life change. One would just enable you in your sin, and one would crush you into depression. Everybody who's a parent knows that. We're trying to shape little characters. Isn't that what we're doing as parents? We're trying to shepherd little hearts. And if all we did every time they did something wrong was, oh, but it's okay, it's okay, daddy loves you, right? I know what you did was wrong, uh, propane, torch, you know, but it's okay, right? Or if every time they did something wrong, we hit them with the, all the wrath of parenting, right? What? They would, one would lead to, both would lead to uh, no life change at all. Instead, what do we do? We, of course, grace, conviction. And that's what's happening here. And that's what happens in transformation. This is how he transforms heart. You need both grace and truth. So they, they, convince, they, they go home and they tell, uh, they tell dad what happened. Let's, let's wrap this up. They tell dad what happened. And, and they say, yeah, here's the deal. He thinks we're spies. One of them on the way home was about to feed his donkey some grain. And he opens it up and he's like, ah! And he sees all the money. He's like, no! Why? What have you done? They're like, we didn't do anything. We didn't. So now they're totally confused. But they make it to home and they tell Jacob the whole story, a.k.a. Israel. And they say, listen, he wants to bring everybody back. He wants to bring Benjamin back or else he's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to uh, uh, let us have Simeon back, you know, everything. And this is so, this, and, and, you know, this is so Jacob never really gets it with the whole playing favorites. But he says, uh, no, no, you can't have him. Why? Because I've already lost one son, and I can't lose another. To which Simeon said, <laughs> so like, no, I will not lose two sons. Oh, but dad, isn't Simeon a son? No, 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 it's just, this is bad luck for Simeon. I won't lose Benjamin. I won't lose Benjamin. Right? They finally convince. Uh, they finally convince him um, because uh, it's his uh, his favoritism couldn't be convinced. But this is what happens: uh, the famine continues in his life. Like, is not the hand of God all through this? Like, at any point, if 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 it's just the tiniest thing doesn't happen, you don't get to have church at City on a Hill on Sunday morning because the whole thing collapses. But it, uh, I could draw those dots for you later. But the point is, the the. This, the famine is still there. And so dad says, well, I could either lose Benjamin by sending him back into Egypt, or I could lose him by starvation. So it, it's like God has driven him to a point where he, that's what he'll do, right? Doesn't he bring us to rock bottom where we're finally, we wake up, we go, man, we got to change. Sends him back. Benjamin goes back. This time he goes back. And there it is. There's Benjamin. J- Joseph can't believe it. And as soon as they get into town, you're the 12 brothers? Yeah. Boss man, Joseph wants to see you in his house. They're like, great. We're dead. We're dead. We're dead. They go in and said it's a lavish feast. See there? Conviction. Grace. And this lavish feast, they get done, and uh, the next morning he sets them out. He's like, okay, you've proven it. You can have Simeon. They go back. They head back, and Joseph says to the guy, hey, hey, one more, one more little test. What? Uh, and this, he's setting up the final test. Final test. As they're leaving, yeah, uh, I want you to uh, take the <clears throat> silver cup, put it in Benjamin's bag. Load him up with grain, put it in Benjamin's bag. Genesis chapter 44, verse 1. We'll just read the, read the rest of this. I'm not, okay. Yeah, it's okay. I've got it right here. Then Joseph commanded his steward, come here, f- fill the men's bags with as much food as they can carry and put each one's money at the top of his bag, right? Oh, by the way, they brought back all the money plus 
money to buy new grain because they were like, we do not want to be considered spies and thieves and all that. So he says, no, 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 give the money back. And then put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag along with his grain money. And so the servant's like, so, so this time you, not, you want me to give all the money back and you want me to give him your cup. You're the boss. I do not understand your ways, but whatever. So he did as Joseph told him. At morning light, uh, let's just say that they were they were groggy, which is a polite way of saying what happened in Genesis 43, 34, which says they drank and <laughs> got in, in to- they were hungover. So at morning light, <laughs> the man, I know, <gasps> what? These murderous people who committed genocide? Were, yeah, th- uh, yeah, so, uh, I know, not shocking, but the men were sent off with their donkeys. They had not gone very far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, now, get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Isn't this a cup that the master drinks from and uses for divination? What you've done is wrong. So now the guy's like, so, so, so boss man, you want me to chase after them and arrest them for stealing the cup that you, that you told me to, but they didn't steal it. I, I will do as you say, sir. Like, <laughs> Sure enough, when he overtook him, he said those exact words. They said, what? Why, why would you say that stuff? You, your servants could not possibly do a thing. And then they said, in this great logic, look, even if we could, is this what thieves do? We brought you money back. Like, we, we are not thieves. Uh, that's pretty good logic. In verse 10, the steward replied, well, what you've said is right. So, uh, oh, 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 so they, so, they, so they make a deal. If any one of us, verse 9, if any one of us is found to have had it, he must die, and we also will become our, your, your, my Lord's slaves. They keep calling each other in the third person, like, my servant, my Lord, it just... It's a little complicated, but you get the hang of how they talk. So they're like, if any of us, right, my servant did not steal from my Lord, but if my Lord thinks my servant did, my servant, we will all become your slaves. If, if you, you know what? Check our bags. This is unlawful search and seizure, but we're going to allow it because we want to prove our innocence. So go ahead, open it up. And as they open it up, they start at the oldest. And Reuben's like, and they move on, Right? And they move on, and they get all the way to Benny. Everybody's like, we got nothing to hide. They open Benny, and they're like, what's this? Everybody's like, Benny! Right? Benny's like, what? I, 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 you got to believe. The steward said, I don't care about the rest of you. Just the one will be my slave. The rest of you blameless. So they lower the sack. The couple's found in Benjamin's sack. Verse 13, then they tore their clothes, and each one loaded his donkey, returned to the city. I know it looks like sometimes people will never change, but I want you to notice two things. One is the silver. Of all things, Jacob, uh, Joseph puts the silver in the cup because he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. He's reinforcing the conviction. But then, if you go back to when he was sold, when Joseph was sold into slavery, only one brother tore his clothes, only Reuben. But look, transformation. The Bible says they all tore their clothes. And everybody, when Joseph was sold into slavery, loaded up their donkey and went back into town. This time, they load up their donkey. Well, we're not going home today. Let's go with Benjamin, right? Now, maybe because they'd rather face, you know, death by Joseph than death by their dad for not bringing Benjamin home. But the point is, they went, went back. Transformation. When Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell to the ground before him. Uh, you got to point this out. In ver- uh, ver- verse 14, verse 14. When they got there, they fell to the ground before Joseph. You know what that is? It's the dream. Dream made, dream fulfilled. You know what the application point is? If you're a person like, well, that's all a good story, but I want an application. Here's one. No matter how bad you sin and try to mess up God's dream for your life, God's dream goes forth for you. There it is. You've done all kinds of things. God had a dream for your life. Look at what you've done with it. But God 
God, in his greatness, takes this mess of a life and does what? Does what he wants to do. And there it is. That's the dream. That's, that's it. You know, uh, uh, you know that uh, verse 16, Judah speaks up. He's like, Joseph's like, what, come on, I, I could have figured this out. You know I can read dreams. Verse 16, what can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, how can we plead? How can we justify ourselves? Another mark of transformation is when you stop justifying your own sinfulness. When you're convicted by the Holy Spirit and you say, when you start talking like this, God, you know what? I didn't just accidentally fall into sin yesterday. I'd like to confess to you that I deliberately ran headfirst with full knowledge of hurting you into sin. And for that, I need to be forgiven. Not a bunch of justification and excuses. Well, God, I messed up, but you've seen my family. Right? God, I messed up, but you know how evil that guy is, right? No, no, no. God, I'm wrong. You're right, period. The other thing is, he starts seeing the hand of God. God has exposed your servant's iniquity. God has exposed your servant's iniquity. He starts seeing that all these things that are happening in your life are not just other humans. It's you. Now, everything hangs on what happens next. I just want to land this plane. So I'm I'm really, this is like, I've been trying to close out the sermon for the last 10 minutes, but I'm, I'm really doing it now. Everything lands on what happens next. Uh, he, Joseph sets up the final test. This is the perfect test. He says, <clears throat> Judah says to him, look, he, he gives him the whole story again, and he says, um, we're all going to be your slaves. And Judah gives the whole story. The one that I just gave you, we won't take time to read it, but 18 through 29, he basically gives the whole story back to him. And so he says this, verse 30. Everything happens on everything hangs on what happens next in the in the verses I'm about to read to you. Everything. Look at what Joseph has recreated. Look at what he set up. Okay, okay. Twenty years ago, you guys had a choice to make, huh? Watch. Twenty years ago, Joseph's looking at him. You guys had a choice to make. Your brother could be sold into slavery, and you could all go go and be free. And you chose to betray your brother that day. He has recreated the exact same scenario to give him a chance to do it right. So today, we'll make the same arrangement. And and this time, it'll be Benjamin, not Joseph. In fact, this was perfect. This would have been perfect for them. If they leave, I'll keep Benjamin. And now, another favorite gone. Just like what you guys want. Isn't that your heart? I mean, people don't change. Huh? People don't change, so I know what's going to happen. The writing's on the wall. I'll keep Benjamin so you guys go free. Sacrifice the brother. Turn and walk away. It's exactly what you did 20 years ago. It's exactly what you do today. He gives him a chance. There it is. What happens next? Do people change? Does God change people or not? It all, ha- it all hinges right here. And this is what he says. Judah says, listen, if I go, whoo, if I come to your servant, my father, and that boy's not with us, you see, his life's wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy's not with us, he's going to die. Then we will have brought down the gray hairs of your servant down to Sheol and sorrow. So your servant became accountable to my father for the boy. If I don't return home to him, I'll always bear the guilt for sinning against you. So verse 33, now please, I'll remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers. Judah became a substitutionary uh, propitiation or something. He, be, he became a, a substitute that day. He, every, everybody had a chance to go and walk and betray the brother and be free. But instead, Judah became, said, I will be a slave. And then 
And only then does Joseph rebuke. At that moment, people, the unchanging God has changed the heart of Judah. Why would he do that? The only answer is love. That's the only answer. He thought of his dad. He thought of Benjamin, convicted over his sins. And like, an, like a mountain growing in the depths of the ocean, you would have never predicted this, but, huh, Judah's different. You do understand, whose idea was it to sell Joseph into slavery? This is not random. It was Judah himself, like the exact same dude that was like, sell him, let's get some silver. Now it's like, I'll be the slave. I will stand in his place, let him go free. God has changed the heart of Judah. Now listen, if Judah had gone into slavery, in a way, you'd be like, that's such a beautiful and noble thing Judah did. Well, not really. He kind of deserved slavery. He kind of deserved life in jail for what he did. Everybody with me? He would have kind of deserved it. But you tell me what happened. Do you ever wonder, uh, you ever wonder, like the whole story in Genesis is about Joseph, but when they give the genealogy of Jesus, doesn't anybody ever curious? He had to be one of the 12 tribes of Israel, didn't he? Right? He, had, he was a Jew. Everybody with me? So he had to be one of the, if you had to pick a tribe of Israel, we'd all pick the same one. We would pick Joseph, right? And you remember the genealogy starting in Matthew 1. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac, he had Jacob. Jacob, he had Judah and all his kin. Judah had Tamar by Perez. and Blah, blah, blah. Jesus. Wouldn't you think, why would it go? Isn't it interesting? And the reason it goes through Judah is what you just read. Because Judah is the one who stood in place so that his brother could go free. Judah is the one who offered his life up as a ransom so that his brothers could go free. But Judah deserved it. But 2,000 years, uh, about 1,000, uh, 1,500 years after that happened, another Jew came from the, line, the great Lion of Judah. And that great lineage of substitutionary atonement. But this one didn't deserve to die. This one did nothing wrong. And Jesus voluntarily did what? He stretched out his arms on that Roman cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he died in your place and in my place so that we could go live a life of freedom. Religion will not change your... When I say religion, I mean man-made legalistic religion will not transform your heart. If you're here today for the first time, you're like, I was trying to get back into religion. Religion's the bad guy? No, 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 no. (coughs) No, no, no. Man-made legalistic... In other words, just... Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and willpower will not change your heart. Only love. Only God's love. Jesus, the gospel changes life. The gospel changes life. God transformed Judah. Judah didn't transform himself, and God will transform you. And you can't give up on that process. I know. It's tempting to be like, I will stop praying for this person because clearly the answer is no. I will give up. You, not yet. You don't know. You don't know. See? And, and you give up on yourself. You say, well, I, just, I will obviously, I cannot overcome this addiction or this sinful habit or this besetting sin or what have you. Man, I mean, I can re-preach this whole sermon for you real quick. Or you could just believe me and, and no, the word of God says, no, you, we can't give up on that. We can't. Because the unchanging God still changes people by the power of the good news, the gospel that when Jesus died on that cross for us, like a true and better Judah, he was standing in our place that we, oh, Joseph says, uh, Judah says, let me die so the boy can go home and be with his father. Oh, sorry for starting to cry, but like, could Jesus not say those words to you and me? I'll die so that you can go home and be with our father. Like that's, I mean, that's in the, that's, 
That's it. The ushers are going to prepare the Lord's table. But God, I pray that everybody would walk out of here with one point bouncing around in their brain, that the unchanging God still changes people. And you look at the soap opera that was Judah and his brothers, and you just think, there's, there's, if there was ever a case where there was just no hope, these murderous and genocidal and uh, 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 incestuous group of people, would, that would, no hope for them. And yet, and yet, oh God, you still transform people. And God, the, 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 the book of Genesis doesn't prove how great a person Judah was. It proves how great a God you are. And we just give you glory. We give you glory for everybody in this room today who could say, I, you know what, I have seen some marks of transformation. I give you glory. I give you praise for everybody in this room who, like the guy at my church, noticed, like, I'm starting to get in trouble for sin. I'm, I'm starting to be convicted over sin. Thank you for your conviction. And for everybody in this room that would say, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. You didn't just convict us, but you loaded our backpacks with grain, money, when we, when we couldn't buy. You hooked us up. What we could only earn was wrath and destruction. Instead, you gave us grace upon grace. So thank you, God, that the unchanging, your unchanging nature is still in a heart of love for us and is a heart of love today. And I pray if there's anybody here who feels a million miles from you, today they feel that you're not so far, that you've come looking for them, and that the ultimate price has been paid, that they could go and be free, be forever with God our Father, Jesus Christ, our elder brother, Holy Spirit empowered and indwelt by you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, ponder uh, the goodness of God. Amen. Yeah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Uh, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gave us a, a way to remember this whole story we've told, to remember the gospel. He knew that we would need that. And so on the night he was betrayed, the Bible says he took some bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says that after supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for you. He says that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's not a morbid thing to think about the Lord's death. It's an act where our hearts are humbled before his great act of love. On the third day of, after he did this supper, Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. And that is to fulfill John chapter 6, verse 37, where he says, If anyone comes to me, I'll never turn away. A dead prophet cannot say that. The fact, a dead prophet cannot make an invitation. A dead prophet could have a bunch of followers who say, hey, try to live to his teachings. But only a living Lord can say, if you come to me, I will not turn you away. You understand? That's, a, that's an invitation, right? Only living lords do that. And there's only one, and that's King Jesus. So, so we come proclaiming his death. That's what the Bible says. We also come rejoicing that he is alive, and therefore we come at his invitation. Joe said, there's a personal God in this place. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force that's drawing us here today. He is here, and he is drawing us closer to his presence and changing us from the inside out. These ushers know exactly what to do. Just follow their lead. They'll coach you here. For all believers, we invite you to come to this table. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.